Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. For 25 years, Seth Lightman has seen it all. From the newest electric car revolution, solar power, bike lanes made in NYC. And now we are here. More electric cars, need for more renewables and eco-friendly products in our world. Well, now it's time for an all-out podcast for this time. You're listening to The Green Living Guy Show. He's funny, real, exactly on point. And some think his style is so raw, it's crazy. Let's do this, folks. It's time for The Green Living Guy Show with Seth Lightman. What is up? It is the Green Living Guy Show. It has been a while since I have done some video for y'all, but we are about to turn it up with a brand new podcast network, Crossover Media Group, and we've got one of the greatest drummers of all times, Mark Schulman here. He's got a few people that he does music for, but one of my favorite one is Pink. And he also has Share, which I know my mother will love, Seven Days Till Sunday. Welcome, welcome, welcome for being part of this uh, experience, the Green Living Guys show. Thank you. Thanks, Seth. It's a pleasure to be here, mate. Yeah, man. Tell me about your start in the drumming world. And I've seen your videos, so I want to lead into that also about how you're making changes for people and helping effectuate change for people on an individual level. I'm having a ball. Well, as the story goes, I saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan when I was two, and I saw John and Paul and George, and something resonated deep inside. And then I saw Ringo and that big, beautiful nose and the swishing hands, and, and I saw the screaming girls, and that was it. I was in. And upset. I got to play it off. <laughs> no, it's too loud. Can you play a nice instrument like your brother Randy plays violin? So I ended up playing cello, but I sat at a drum set at five and I could play. And then my godfather, who was my cello teacher, was giving me a drum lesson after every cello lesson. And at nine years old, they could not deny my passion any longer and bought me my first drum set. And I played my first professional gig at 12 and I never looked back. I can see that. Wow. Jeez. Jeez. So how did you get landed, if you don't mind me asking, like the process of getting landed with some of these amazing artists that you've connected with over the years. How does something like that happen for somebody out there? Like so many, I listen to these really amazing top performers and entrepreneurs and everybody has their major failure. And I had one of those. So I auditioned for Bad English, which was a super group back in the 80s. Yep. Yeah. Miserably failed it. And as a result of that, you know, I was literally like in my car, like, crying, like hitting my steering wheel going, doctor, attorney, you know, 
accountant. That's what my Jewish parents wanted me to be. Why didn't I listen? But I was overwhelmed with anxiety, like performance fear, and I was rushing horribly. So I thought this was going to be the defining moment, the defining day that I got the big gig. It was actually the defining moment that I decided I was either going to step off the stage permanently. <laughs> mm-hmm. I made two promises to myself instead. One was that nobody would ever tell me I was speeding up or slowing down unless I wanted to speed up or slow down. So I spent the next two years working relentlessly on my internal meter, which is the foundation for a drummer. And the other promise I made to myself is I'm going to transform my fear into excitement. And that's what I did. And I stopped partying. I met this amazing man who's the co-writer of my next book, who's still my mentor 35 years ago, Dr. Jim Samuels. And I just became very oriented toward self-improvement and philosophy. And to this day, nobody's ever told me I'm speeding up or slowing down unless I wanted to. And I had to be able to transform that fear into excitement to the point where that story and that experience was the impetus for my first book that I wrote about six years ago called Conquering Life Stage Fright, Three Steps to Top Performance. And now Dr. Jim and I are writing my second book or our book, yeah. The Power of Attitude. And that is the sort of flagship speech that I give to the corporate people, the Fortune 500 companies. Oh, wow. So you're basically, you effectuated change for yourself by just believing in you, really. It seems like that it literally became what I hear a lot from people about this mind over matter philosophy of that I can't do it, I can't do it, but then you do it because it's deep inside you. This is something you feel, something you believe in, and something that you want to happen. So no matter what, you're going to make it happen regardless, it seems like, for me at least. You know, tenacity plays a big role. Timing and luck are a big role. But the reason why we're writing the book on the power of attitude is I've come to learn that attitude is really at the foundation of everything. And it is... You know, a lot of times I tell, talk to people about attitude. They go, attitude, attitude, schmattitude. That's all you can bring, drummer. What the hell are you talking about? The reality is we cannot control what happens to us. Look at this world right now. But we, you always have the power. I'll put it in affecting everybody else personally. You always have the power, no matter what is going on at any moment in time, I'm talking about right now, yeah. to change, shift, or choose your attitude about what is happening to you. And why this is so absolutely phenomenal is that it puts the power back in your hands. And your attitude is like your point of view. It's your vantage point or your disadvantage point, depending upon the attitude you choose. Remember, it's not what we look at. It's what we see and perceive that matters. An attitude is so powerful that the way you see yourself, the way you see, the lens through which you see the world, the meaning you attach to people places and circumstances are all determined by the stories that you tell yourself. And the stories are determined by the attitude that you choose. And it's crazy. So what is your attitude? If your attitude's a comedy, good for you. If it's a melodrama, if it's a murder mystery, ah! <laughs> attitude really is the basis for a life-changing formula because your attitude is what actually drives your behavior. Now think about that for a minute. That's really powerful stuff. And your behavior is what determines the consequences of your life. So I am suggesting, yes, right now, 
you can effectuate, you can take your attitude and you can literally create the outcome based on the attitude that you choose. Now, it's not that it's easy no. and it takes a lot of work and I may shift my attitude 20 times in a day, but that's because I'm clear on the behavior I need to create to create the outcome. You start with the outcomes and then you reverse engineer it. You think of what is the optimal outcome that I want today for my business, for my family, for my health. And then you reverse engineer it and think, well, what would be the behavior I would need to manifest? Basically, the actions I would need to consistently take to drive that, those outcomes. Yeah. And then go all the way back to attitude because it begins with attitude. What would be the attitude or attitudes I would need to consistently embody and produce, even if I got to remind myself 50 times a day to drive those behaviors and consequences. And I live this every single day of my life. And I'm convinced that's the winning formula. And I know after interviewing dozens and dozens of the greatest performers on the planet in all industries for the next book that Dr. Jim and I are writing, yep. I find that that is the one bit of consistency, that is the one bit of activation that is true for everybody, is that I think the top performers know intuitively that it starts with attitude. And yeah. we make attitude adjustments. We course correct, so to speak, to drive the behaviors and consequences that we know are going to put us in this space and produce these consequences that are the real consequences, you know, the stuff you really want, like big yes. stuff. Brass tacks, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, it's easy. It, it, I'm not claiming that it's easy, but I'm saying that keep your eye on the ball, baby. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I've had, I've had my failures, but then I've wanted for so many years to do this TV opportunity I'm doing in this podcast. And I just kept believing in myself, even when it was tough, even when there were hours where I'm like, this is not going to happen. I'm never going to get there. But then you just, I go, you know what? It will happen. It will happen when it's meant to be. And that's what happened with this whole experience with the TV and the podcast for me. It was like it just landed in front of me because of the work I've done for so many years. And the person that introduced me to the head of these studios has been watching me for the past 10, 12 years. And they were like, this is the guy you want. You need him. And it just like this, it became symbiotic. And from that, and the work I've done, at least in my in these TV episodes, they're like, we want to get you on the podcast network now. So everything became very cyclical to where we are right, you and I are right now today. I mean, it was the same mantra. I mean, it wasn't easy. Oh, there were years of bad stuff. But I'm past that. I'm through that hill. And, you know, I went literally through it, not over it. I went through it and challenged myself and look where I it's true, but it's hard for people. So I know there are a lot of people out there that, for example, they want something for themselves, but they can't effectuate that change because they immediately go, what? Negative. So what would be something that you would say to somebody that wants something to happen, is a good person? Don't get me wrong. They're good people, but they have immediately when something happens, they go negative. What would be the first thing that you would, I, I know what I'll say, and I know what I've said to these people, but what would you say to them about how to change that mindset or to change that course so that you can get where you want to be? Well, you have a choice. 
I mean, I have certain attitude shifts that I create that are very powerful. And a few of them are a couple different things, literally. The easiest one is smile. And it sounds so funny, but if you smile and it's, it was fake at first, but after a while it turns real. And there's scientific proof that shows when you smile, like I'm really doing now, it literally activates hundreds of muscles in your face, yeah. which sends a signal to your body to relax and sends, a, literally, it creates endorphins in your brain. That's one quick one. The other one is shifting your have-tos to, to a get-to. In that moment, instead of looking at whatever you're doing with that, like, I have to do this, you shift it to I get to do it. The moment you shift it to I get to, it shifts from becoming a chore to a choice. Yeah. You put yourself, instead of being the effect of what you don't want, you become the cause of what you do want. And I can't tell you how many people, I've gotten hundreds of thousands of emails about that one thing right there. They go, oh my God, if I just look at this mundane thing as I get to do it, all of a sudden I have more fun. Yeah. And the other one, which is a biggie, which a lot of people are talking about these days, but it's gratitude. Gratitude. My, my, my buddy, Tim Sanders, who was a <laughs> officer for you. I'm doing video at the same time on another phone, so I'm like looking at it. So when you say these positive affirmations, I'm looking into the camera like, see? <laughs> well, it's just affirmations. It's actually like creating shifts in the way you're thinking. Because yeah. if you are committed to creating these attitude shifts, and because so many of us, particularly these days, are in the attitude of scarcity, which is the attitude of fear yeah. and blocks and barriers. The attitude of gratitude is just the opposite. As another great speaker says, gratitude inoculates you from what you think you're missing. So yeah. when focused on scarcity, you're focusing on what's missing, on the problems, the blocks, the barriers. If you just stop and you're committed and you think of one thing for which you're grateful about yourself, about your family, and then start thinking of more and more and more. It becomes like fuel. It literally will create an attitude, or if you want to call it mind shift, you know, mindset shift. There are a lot of words that are synonymous with attitude. If you like them better, I was just doing an interview and he liked the word mindset. Great. But these it. are conscious shifts. And you could do something physical. I know Tony Robbins, of course, who I've studied, he's a great, great teacher, talks about doing physical shifts. Like right on the spot, like dropping, I might drop and do 100 push-ups or hit myself in the chest. Do something physical that wakes your ass up and creates an shift, a physical and mental shift in your attitude that drives you in a different space. So these are all things that I would recommend right off the bat. And they all work for me. And you might have to do them 10 times in a row. Don't give up. No, no right. Never give up. Never also, give up with anxiety and challenges right now, but I will tell you, I also have simplified it. I'm going to tell you the simplest way I can say. Okay. Dealing with COVID, dealing with a pandemic, it's all about how we manage change. This is the simplest thing I could say. And we manage change one of two ways. We embrace it or we resist it. What we resist persists, as you've heard. So when you resist it, man, all of a sudden you become in this you're in this element of anxiety and fear, and you're focusing on everything that doesn't work. When you embrace it, it's amazing how creative you can become. And, and how it is mesmerizing. Can become yeah. looking at things differently. Like when it first set in, I'd never done a virtual speech because 
I speak to Fortune 500 companies. I, I'm like, a, I call it a rock show disguised as a keynote. I'm so high energy. I'm playing drums live. I'm doing interactive stuff. I said, and I was that guy that was resisting. It. I said, there's no way I could transfer what I do into the virtual space. I lost mm -hmm. 19 speaking gigs in two months. 19 in two months only. And I was afraid. I was resisting it, right? What did I do? I woke up one day. I said, what the hell story are you telling yourself, you knucklehead? And I got up and I started getting creative and thinking of how I could do it virtually. Right. And came up with all these amazing ideas. And it shifted my attitude, my mindset so much that now I do a virtual presentation for which I am getting raves. I mean, I learned about cameras and lighting. It was a yep. work. I love going to work because I stepped outside of my comfort zone. Here's another thing I heard another speaker say. The world class begins where your comfort zone ends. Yes. Try to get out of your comfort zone. If you think the way you always thought, you are not going to affect change. You're not going to evolve. We need to evolve. This is the time for us. It's an opportunity to evolve. Yeah. You're either growing or dying. I mean, I know these are a few things that other people say, and they're not, that's not originally mine, but the truth is that you really are. You're either evolving and growing or you are wilting away. And yes. then you the unwilling effect. I'd rather be the willing cause. And that's the attitude I choose. So I'm redoing my website again, edited my speaking reel the third time. I, you know, always upping my game. I got my third camera with another lens. Now I've got a lens that's like down to, you know, F1.2 so I can let it even more light so I can nice. make it clear. And I don't know shit about that stuff, but I learned. I have an myself, right? An online tech coaching while yeah. we're watching it to tell me. I mean, look, man, it's amazing what we can create when we embrace the change rather than resist it. That's, so that's, that's right. another strong attitude shift that I have is embracing things rather than resisting them. It's funny when COVID happened because I'm, you know, as the Green Living guy, I do most of my work remotely, right from home. Okay. So I don't commute, you know, if I need to go somewhere, I'll go for coffee, right? Or I'll go for tea or water or lunch, but it's within my little sphere of a world, right? But everybody else is freaking out. How am I going to work? How am I going to do this? I'm, gonna, I'm like, been doing it for years. Love it. Nothing's changed. Everything's, you know, everybody else, the, I consider, and yes, we should remain safe and wear masks and all of this stuff. But look, the reality is that, this is a change. This is a paradigm shift. And the only thing we can do is what? We can either embrace it, wear the damn mask, or just wilter and freak out and get go like, I can't take this anymore. I'm losing my mind. And I've heard that way too much from people. And I'm, this is the type of podcast that I'm talking about for people, not just in COVID or their own individual lives, but also what we're talking about realistically with the Green Living Guy show, how do we affect change for the climate? How do we affect change collectively for the world? We all have to stop thinking that the world is going to die and wither away. We all have to say, look, we have the opportunity to buy things or to get things for our house that originally would create this negative carbon effect, but now we can do things that will make better things. Like, I guess, for an example, solar or energy storage, or doing insulation in your house, or new windows, anything that will reduce your energy bill. And what I try and tell people is like, you do that, you're going to reduce your energy bill. 
You reduce your energy bill, you're saving money. If you're saving money, you can take that and you can put it into other green things or you can put it into your life to reinvest in yourself. Nothing wrong with that. So I have been trying for years to explain to people this positivity that runs through my core, right? And right. people just don't get it. They don't, they're like, what are you on? What is wrong? I mean, I have gotten some of the most choice questions <laughs> about my positivity. But I'm telling people that it has helped guide me in the worst and the hardest of times when I look and I up or I pray or I do anything and I see light versus seeing darkness, I know there's a better end. And I've been, look, I've been there. I've had my own challenges. I've had my challenges. But what do I do? I get up every morning and I say, I love what I do. I'm helping people get into electric cars, get into solar, get into other things they wouldn't have. And look at the pace of the way people are doing it now. I mean, let's take electric cars. I remember I went, and I won't say names, but I went and I met with a governor's office about doing electric cars maybe about seven or eight years ago. Imagine what I was told. You really think electric cars are going to work? You really think we're going to be putting more electric cars into our state and changing our vehicles because you think it's a good idea? Come on, man. And then they gave me three other different technologies that they thought would be working. None of them are working. So it's like I just sat there, and when I saw that negative tailspin going on from them, I did what you suggested. You ready? Smiled. I smiled. And I said to myself in the back of my head, I'm going to remember this meeting for the rest of my natural life. And you know what? I do. I've been in so many meetings. I've been in meetings with Sierra Club where I'm like, I've been in meetings with governor's office. They told me this would never happen. And now the governors are like tripling and quadrupling down on this stuff. So anybody can effectuate change. It's all in the mindset. It's all in what you think you can do and being positive about it. Because every time that I've been negative about something, what happens? Negativity occurs. Well, is there are double negative goals and there are positive goals. And your mind simply focuses on what you tell it to do. So if you say, I'm not going to feel any pain, what are you focusing on? The pain. Even if right now, I'll say everybody's listening, don't think of a white elephant. You can't help it. Your mind is <laughs> a white elephant. It, it's there. It's sorry. It's just there. Because your mind just follows what you tell it to do. So if you have positive goals, in other words, goals that will lead to something as opposed to goals that you don't want to happen, then you will absolutely effectuate chains and you will you are moving towards something as opposed to being afraid and moving away from something. Yeah. It's all about where you put And I mean, yeah. I'm it's, but a lot of it, you know, look, let's face it, man. The old school, the old boys, the old way of doing things, people don't want to let that go because they're still financially invested. Yeah. And that's one of the issues. With the, it's one of the issues with all of this stuff. Once it gets to the point where they actually understand that clean energy will be an asset, will be a revenue stream, will actually out play fossil fuels and dirty energy 
that's when the conversion will happen. It just takes a while, and it has to do with so many things. I don't want to get political now, but we all... No, 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 no. We're not here to do that. We're here to, we're here to vibrate higher. <laughs> that's what I say Between people that believe in the old school, people that don't acknowledge climate change, people that don't acknowledge, you know, that want to continue with a lot of fracking and want to continue with fossil fuels, as opposed to seeing the opportunity and how many jobs and what we can actually create when we evolve. But I don't have to tell you that because you know a gazillion times more about it than I do. But my point is that I think it's human nature. It's human nature to resist what we cannot see yet. And when it gets to the point where people can clearly see it, then you will overwhelmingly get the majority understanding that it will make a change. Like, I'll never forget when I was a kid, I heard a a sample of, you know, when Ford's first car came out and some guy was saying, oh, people will never want a radio inside a car. What a distraction. (laughs) And it's natural. You know, we tend to resist what we don't understand. We tend to resist what we resist because we've been doing something else for so long that has been working. But after a while, you realize it's not working. You just sort of have to acknowledge that it's not working anymore. Right. Right. You know, I, it's, network and very, very wealthy people that are invested in the old network are not going to give up easily. And why should they? It's against their human nature to give up easily. Not that I'm justifying their behavior because I'm not. No, 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 no. We know. We know. Yeah. I deal with that all the time. I deal with it all the time. And you resist it. These people are resisting it and they're holding on to the old school. Yeah. But also the old school is still, you know, putting money in their pockets. Big money. Yeah. Big money. Money. Big, big money. I mean, so the what, amount of money that still so, is in oil is so, still enormous. Yeah, so, yeah. The attitude of understanding it all again. It comes back down to attitude, man. Like, are you going to embrace it? Are you going to resist it? And yeah. when I hear about people that just don't even acknowledge it, don't acknowledge climate change openly, that and it's such an obvious scientific thing. I mean, it's not a partisan thing. It's a scientific component. But when it's made partisan, that's the challenge because partisanship is a club. You join a club and you're a member of that club and you need, or it's a gang and you're loyal to that gang. You're loyal to that gang till death do you part until it's you wake up and you kind of go, now, wait a minute. If I am loyal to this gang, I am going to die. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're going to, right. That I think is the real key that, you know, being loyal, too loyal to something like that is not going to be helpful at all. My mom used to say, and without an environment, there is no politics. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's probably why you're the green guy, because your mom yeah. was enough to say that. I don't know how old you were when she said that, or maybe she was supporting you, but... There was a lot of things that she said over the years that she never realized. If my yeah. mom had said that when I was a little, when I was younger, I would have been like, oh, I think my career path is clear. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was one of those moments where I was like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Mom's got some inside shit. I better follow her. Shit. I, better yeah, follow like, I, I, I was like, uh, somebody just gave me the memo really quick. <laughs> you know, yeah. Somebody just woke me up. So it's been, and it still is challenging because then you make progress, you move the ball forward, as they say in football, and then, you know, you get sacked, right? So nowadays the big sack is both, Let's just say that the conversation of fracking is a part of that sack. But there's 
one of two ways you can handle it. You can say, that's it, we're done. Or you can say, I'm going to get back up, I'm going to dust myself off, I'm going to get back in the huddle, and I'm going to figure out what I'm going to do to deal with that. So this is a way that I deal with hearing what other people think about fracking. I talk about how it's bad. I talk about the science behind it. I talk about the movie Gasland that was by Josh Fox, where they turn on a water faucet in the middle of Pennsylvania where they were fracking, and they took a lighter to it, and the water was flammable. That means a sink was, was throwing flames out the side thing. So it's like, I think it doesn't yeah, work. Is, I think that, you know, one of the candidates is playing that in a smart way because you're talking about like it's more of a gradual, let's just gradually work into something else mm -hmm. because that candidate knows that the other side is not ready for complete abandonment. They have abandonment issues, if you will. When <laughs> Yeah, but right. I think you need to, it's smart, it, being politically correct in this sense is, means you're being a good negotiator and you do need to negotiate slowly because it is a changing world and you do have people that are married to their beliefs that are so strong and you're not going to shake them of their belief systems that quickly. We need no. people like you to provide proof and science, but then you also we do need smart politicians because they are ultimately negotiating on yeah. our behalf to negotiate. And negotiate means, okay, we're figuring out a way to find a compromise and we'll work toward a solution that is going to be ultimately super beneficial for the planet. But maybe right now we need to just negotiate gradually. So I understand you know, I mean, I listened to Kamala and Kamala was strictly anti-fracking. Now she's not because she's on, she's second on the ticket. But well, she got kind of like, how do I call it? She got pigeonholed, you know, I like, you know. I, don't believe, I believe it's being smart. I believe it's negotiating. I must believe that there's a plan and that it's a gradual negotiation that needs to happen over time yeah. because it's too shocking for the old school thinkers to just get off their position and go, sure, guys. Let's change. Let's stop right now and just move. Yeah, I mean, you know, as well as I do, it ain't going to happen. We need you because you need to be as adamant, as vehement, as scientific, and as smart, and as tenacious as you can be. But I, we I try. I do my thing. I don't try. Ted Turner told me, I don't try. I do. I you know, do. Your nice Jewish mother was right, and she put you in the right, <laughs> right, right place, you know? That's right. That's right. Without air, you got yeah. nothing. <laughs> remember just for your own sanity that it's a gradual process and we've come a long way i mean we have really come a long way and i see you wearing your tesla shirt and i mean yes. come on man yes the last five to ten years is profound i've got solar panels on my house you know so That's i mean so. we're, there we're, you go. it's just gradual so yeah. you feel really good when you go to sleep at night because you are one of the leaders and one of the most outspoken supporters of something that we know is going to save the planet. And you need to keep being that. Just understand that eventually, you know, we have new generations coming up and people that are subscribing to this viewpoint and that understand and are more open yeah. and aren't baked into. Remember, these other people are literally baked. They're baked, fried, burnt, and they're stuck to the bottom of the pan 
and he can't get them off. Right? No, not even with that Brillo pad. <laughs> but understanding that from your standpoint should help you at least be able, being able to assume somebody else's attitude is really powerful because yeah. then you understand where they're coming from. It's like assuming their viewpoint. And they, that helps us yeah. negotiate. I, 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 it's like right. When I'm negotiating with my wife, I'd much rather be happy than right. When I'm indignant and when I'm righteous, I'm screwed. The moment happy I wife, happy, happy wife, happy life. Happy it always wife. works. <laughs> I literally just stop. And you know, the first thing I do when I get sane, when I get through my righteousness is I stop and I immediately call up or walk in and say, you know what? I'm sorry for my part in it, the harm I caused. I fix my harm. I fix my part. And the moment I do that, my conscience is clear. And then all of a sudden we're getting along because and then. If it is an issue where we're negotiating back and forth, then that let then she lets her guard down. Yeah. You know, then we're both open, and that's why we know that the only way that we can survive as a couple, and we've survived now for 14 years, is that we need to negotiate. And yeah. we know that we both need to, we're both very happy and proud to admit when we're wrong and to fix any harm we've caused when we're wrong. And I'm not easy. I mean, I think of myself as a cool guy and a balanced guy. But, you know, my dad was a very angry man. I have his DNA. He's a nice man, but an angry man. So I get angry sometimes. And I come down heavy. I mean, to the point where I've made my daughter cry. We, you know, if I've yelled at my daughter the four times in my life, I've yelled at my daughter. I grew up in a household where my dad was yelling every single day. All he knew how to do was yell. Not because he was mean, because that's how he communicated. So right. it's in yeah. my blood. So as long as I remember... And count to three or count to ten and just talk to my daughter sanely. She responds when I talk to her nicely or it's yeah. in an even keel. And she just gets upset because she's not used to being yelled at. And my wife grew up in a Swedish household and they never yelled because oh, yeah, Swedish, yeah. And, you know, they just don't yell, you know? No, no, uh, no. My wife is feisty, but my wife spent most of her adult life in Ireland and, and London. So she's feisty. I also call her a Swedish reject because she's so passionate and, you know, she's not like the average Swede that's sort of, you know, the, the Swedish culture yes. is that way. It's a very um, relaxed, sort of innocuous sort of culture, if you will. Oh, yes. I've dated Swedes before. <laughs> I've, dated, I've dated a Swedish girl before. So yeah. I do know. I know the mindset. Yeah. Um, it's anyway. very, even Kiel, there's that spark. Yeah. Best. What I got to offer because I need to get off soon. Um, I actually have another interview I'm preparing for. This is like a day Good of you. Good for you. Well, you know what? This has been more than a pleasure. We're going to have you back on again, and we're going to talk some more about this kind of stuff. But what we've talked about here is real things for people, and oh, it's sorry. it's tangible. It's more tangible than people realize that when they can effectuate change by the way that their mindset is, the way that they feel and think about things. And start off, as we're going to say here in the Green Living Guy world, start off with a smile. Start with a smile. See that? And I will say, remember your ABCs. Attitude times behavior equals consequence. Ooh. And you have to shift and control that attitude at any moment. Love it, man. Let's I love it. it. Do Ladies it with, gentlemen. with a smile. Do it with yes. shifting get to the have-tos. Do it with doing a physical something a physical manifestation where you're literally like tony robbins style changing your state so to speak which yeah. state is attitude it's a it mindset is. attitude whatever you want to call it 
understand that you have the power and you have the control to make those shifts. Because when you think it's out of your control, that's when the anxiety sets in, when you believe that you do not have control. You do. You know, actually, like, when you don't think you have control, like, you actually do. Yeah, when sticks you, and stones can break my bones, but names can never hurt me. Never. Nobody can ever make you feel a thing. You can only take on what they're giving you and own it, and then you feel what they are trying to affect on you, or you just hold your position. That's it. So like someone can be literally like spewing venom at me, and I can just be like, oh, are you dumb? <laughs> Who do you want to be? Yeah. It begins to who do you want to be? You can choose who you are at any moment. That's and right. Who you are is then what you put out to the world. It's so true. And that's why this podcast is not just a PSA for life or a discussion about how to conquer challenges, but it's like, you know, it's a mantra. It's like, you know, this was a, a, a very healthy podcast in so many different levels. A very healthy podcast because we're seeing how you were able to effectuate change. And who else have you, just for the record, who else do you play for besides Pink and Share so people can understand the breadth? In my life, I played with Foreigner on and off for 28 years. Love them. Simple Minds, Richard Marks. Oh Simple Minds. Oh my God. Pro, Dave Cause. I've even, you know, played with Al Green on stage with the OJ. Oh. Tina Turner, Beyonce, oh. sessions for Michael Hutchins, Billy Idol, of course, on and off for many years. Um, love Billy. Love Bob Billy. Well, I loved in the early days. Brenda Russell was my first tour. I just have been texting Brenda again. It's 32 years ago. Oh, my gosh. I mean, uh, different smooth jazz, Dave Cause, Michael LinkedIn. Yeah. Frank Mbali. And, you know, the list goes on. You're and a then corporate client from, you know, like Dell to IBM to Microsoft to, to uh, uh, Walmart to Crump to Banker's Life to Alestra, which is the Mexican AT&T. You know? oh, oh, wow. Wow. But you're an example of what positivity in your mindset can do for the world, for you. And the world, because you're not just, you're playing music that people remember. I remember your drum beats in a million different songs. So that's not the issue. It's that you're being able to effectuate change for yourself in a positive mindset. And therefore, you've led a life that has taken you where you are today. And you can look back and say, ready? I'm grateful. I'm grateful for what I have gotten in life because I've been positive about it. I've been happy about it and grateful. Gratitude you know is like one of my number one sauces. I love gratitude. I think it is for so many people now because people start to realize that it really is power. I mean, they actually did a test I read recently. They took two groups of people and did MRIs on both of them. One, they told nothing. The other ones, they said, conjure up as much gratitude as you possibly can. And the ones that were conjuring up gratitude produced enough endorphins in their brains to rival that of a weak antidepressant. That's how powerful gratitude can be. Um, That's unbelievable. Um, but but it, it's right. an easy focus. It's an easy attitude shift. It really is. Yeah. But 
to get stressed. And I'll tell you, to get more, you need to be grateful for what you already got. Yes. People that are constantly striving for more and more and more, if you don't stop and take stock and take inventory for what you got, baby, then you're just going to be constantly wanting. Yeah. And you got to stop and you got to appreciate this cup of coffee. You got to appreciate this mess. You got to appreciate this Seth. You got to appreciate Mark. I got a freaking iPhone 12. It's like, sorry, guys, I'm not going for the iPhone 12. Not yet. Not yet. Because the 10 is working great and it still takes great photos. You know, I mean, this phone has been, would you believe that this phone has been the number one argument that I've been able to say how electric cars would work? And all it was was a simple shift. Put four wheel, two wheels here. Two wheels here. Remember the cell phone we used to have? And now look at the cell phones of today. And they're getting thinner and thinner and more technologically advanced by the moment. I, like you, remember the beepers, the pagers. I, like you, remember the days of not even a beeper or a pager. The computer in the first Apollo mission to the, to the moon what was 164K. Yeah. K! That's less than a Word document. Right. And they still did it. And I remember when in the 90s, when we got our first external hard drive, it was 100 meg, and we called it the Enormo drive. <laughs> yeah, and now look at today. Today we're dealing with terabytes. Yeah. Anyway, brother, so much love to you, so much gratitude. Back at you, brother. Joe. Back at you. You know, and I've been saying that to people. I'm going to leave with this point right here. You just said it right now. I don't care if you're a man or a woman or a dog or a cat. I love you. I love you. And having that I love in your spirit and in your heart can make things happen more than you could possibly imagine. And it took a lot of time for me to get here. It wasn't easy. And there are days where I don't love but you, or minutes where I don't love. But if you keep at that, to just say I love you to somebody who needs it, is yeah. such an effectuation of change. It could help somebody in their core. And I've done that to so many people. And they look at me like I'm this, I don't know, something bigger than them. And I'm like, we're all the same people. We're all the same. You just need to have more love in your heart and watch what can happen. So God bless you, Mark. Thank yeah. you so, so much for this opportunity to meet you and to talk with you. And we will have you back again, I promise you, because you're the type of spirit and energy that I need in these podcasts to make it go out there and effectuate listeners so that they will do what we need them to do. So thank you again, Mark. Brother, Rock time. on. Rock on. Later, brother. You got it, brother. You've been listening to The Green Living Guy Show with your host, Seth Lightman. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort. Until next time.